0: Praise Jesus. So, uh, I have a modification to make uh, in terms of uh, the weekend of uh, August, our fasting prayer and fasting weekend, we were going to receive Dr. Harry Lindekue, who was going to come and minister to us on uh, the power of what you eat or what you don't eat, um, and just good health all the way around. But uh, he's unable to make that weekend for various reasons, so I am moving the schedule ahead for what lo- the Lord wants us to be speaking about, and I'm going to be speaking about relationships. Because the Lord has been dealing with me that this year He's going to restore relationships. Glory to God. And then I have news for you. That uh, we are, just by a few days, this side or that. Um, Brother Jerry is going to be coming here in January of next year. Towards the end of January. They let me know this week. So, uh, Praise the Lord. I, you know, it's just something that I had, I asked the Lord if I could be, if we as a church could be the first uh, ministry internationally to receive Brother Jerry and we would be the very first church that he will come and minister to with his private, with his own jet um, outside of the Americas. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, Not even Canada. He's been across America and the states that belong to America. But uh, we are the first country outside of the Americas that he will come with his jet to come and minister to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in, in weeks to come, we will be sharing just some things with you that we would like to have preparation, uh, make ourselves ready to receive, because he's coming for quite a few days. So praise the Lord for that. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I'm looking forward to September, to our weekend in September also, on, on faith, finance, and fasting. Uh, because I believe that God is wanting to reveal things to us uh, and uh, bring wholeness to us when it comes to finances and our faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, the title of my message today is Beloved. I want to make sure that I just get this right. Beloved, in bed or in red? Hallelujah. And uh, I want to read to you out of the book of, this is not on my notes, uh, but... I want to read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And it reads like this, the New King James Version. I call heaven, and if I could use, because he uses it as a single sentence, I call heaven and I call earth as witnesses today against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in The land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Well, in our modern day version, it could be to live in the kingdom that Jesus paid the price for. So, this is very interesting based on all the previous messages that I've ministered and what Pastor Sharon's teaching on redemption and repentance Wasn't that just amazing? And everything else that the Lord brought through her. And uh, I'm going to be talking, uh, just using her ministry as as a as a springboard in some of my messages. Particularly when it comes to redemption um, and what and repentance. And I'm even going to address some of that today. But I won't use that uh, a lot today. But this passage of scripture says that he has clearly given himself to us and that he's given us life and death and it's a choice it's not an emotion it's not a habit that you uh, have to undo to become something it's a choice a habit is just something you're unwilling to give up because it's a habit. So habit is just something you're unwilling to give up because you like what you do, you do what you do because you like what you do. And so because you like what you do, you're unwilling to give it up for something else. That means if you have a habit in your life, that means that habit is much more important to you than the life that God offers. So it's not about whether you are overcome with a habit that you can't get rid of or you can't change your ways because you've been in your ways for so long that it's going to take you that long to get out of your ways. Repentance is an instant choice. A life in God, choosing life is an instant, daily, instant choice. It always happens in the moment. A choice never happens after the moment is gone. Because if you choose after the moment is gone, then it's remorse or repentance. Repentance. Either which way, if the moment is gone, if you repent, then you won't have that moment again. Because the next time you make a choice, then it will be the right choice. So, always, you have to choose life in the moment. Every moment. Whenever there, there is a pressure on your mind, a pressure on your soul, a pressure on the life that you live, you have to choose life. If you don't choose life, then curses become part of your life. So you might say, well, Pastor John, I don't really want to hear too much about curses. Well, curses is just o- the opposite of blessing. Where things will go good for you, things will not so go-, go so good for you. Okay. It's going to be something that happens to you that prevents you from ha- walking in the blessing and the abundance and the very essence of the life of God. Amen. And so it's interesting that of all the messages I've been sharing with you about beloved, I've talked about how beloved is a favorite status. It's a status of someone that's redeemed. It's a, a status of someone that is highly sought after, is valued, is respected, and, and desired to be, to have a, a, around you. Um, so if you're beloved, it means you've done something that is lovable. Right, And so, I clearly talked about the fact that as believers, every day we live in a, spiritual, in a spiritual climate. There is no such thing, if you are a born again Christian, there is no such thing as living in a, in a, in a world of your natural human comfort. That what you're doing has no impact on the spirit realm. If you're a born again believer everything you do has an impact on the spirit realm. The fact that if you say I don't want to I don't want to follow the ways of God that has an impact on the spirit realm. Because the gift that God has called you to be you are not. The ways that God has called you to walk you do not. And so the very the fact that you do you bring upon yourself the curses that are in the world you participate in their cursed life. Whereas if you choose God and you choose His ways, you participate in the blessed life. That's what the scripture says. Amen. 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 Now, uh, let's take Godfrey for an e- as an example. And what a, what a wonderful moment this was this morning. Now, Godfrey is, has either come back to receive, to recommit his life to the Lord, or he's made a first-time decision to receive Jesus in his heart. Either way, because of what's happened in his spirit, it's likely that Godfrey is going to start coming to church. So what happens if Godfrey doesn't come to church anymore? Well, it might be circumstantial, in which case we must help him get to church. But if he, no longer, if he doesn't want to come to church, then I have to question what happened here today. Because if you've got a born-again believer, if you're a born-again spirit, you want to be where the Spirit of God is. And so the Spirit of God is where the coming together of the, the saints is. That's where the Spirit of God is. Now, assume Godfrey comes to church on a regular basis and he starts to hear information. He starts to get knowledge of what is going on here. He starts to get knowledge of his, of his salvation. He starts to get knowledge about Jesus and about God the Father and he starts to get knowledge. But let's just assume for a min- minute that Godfrey gets the knowledge but he makes no choice to change. What will happen to Godfrey's life? He, his life will not change for the better. His life will more than likely get worse. Why? Why would it get worse? Well, because he's got an, God has given him the opportunity to receive power to live a good life, to live a, knowed, a knowing life an abiding life in him. So if he does not live the abiding life, the things that are around him, in his circumstances, and everything that's happened, are all going to be. They, what's going to start happening is the Holy Spirit is going to start orchestrating circumstances to bring him to the good life. And uh, he, whatever happens, his life can't stay, can't stay the same, because he's made a choice. So. If he keeps making a choice to receive knowledge and that knowledge becomes revelation then he receives power to live in the new life. His choice has got to keep making choices. The more choices he makes the more new life he walks in. If he responds to the knowledge And he allows revelation to be his portion. So what's happening to him? Remember I said this to you. Think like this. Don't put your body first. Don't put your mind first. Put your spirit first. Because what you focus on is what's going to develop. So if you focus on your mind and you focus on your body, you're going to develop in that. If you don't focus on what's happening in your spirit, you're choosing to give other parts of you dominance in your life, your mind and your body. And so your spirit, man, has no growth. So if I use Godfrey as an example, today he became a juvenile. He became a little son. He's a son. He's a son of God but he became a little son. So if he makes no choices to change, and if I may use the analogy of a little son, if he doesn't start to crawl and start to walk and start to do things in in terms of keep pressing into God with choices, then he's going to just become a weak, feeble son that can easily be controlled. So I ask you, do you easily want to be controlled? Or do you you want to be the one who understands as I grow in Revelation, I have authority over my mind and over my body so that my spirit, that's the real me, can take me where I need to go. So you remember I said, the real you is the spirit you. And you contact God with that you. Even though we raise our hands to worship God, you worship Him in spirit and in truth. Your body follows the spirit and truth that is in you. So you notice that as a church, we, we, do, not, uh, we do not have a whole lot of people waving flags and dancing around the church and all that kind of stuff. I'm not criticizing churches that have that. I have a revelation, Pastor Sharon, I have a revelation, that when your spirit is alive to God, you don't need to dance as a rehearsed dance routine and wave flags to show God that you worship Him. Because you're not worshiping Him with the expression of your body, you're worshiping Him from your spirit with truth. Now, if the Spirit is so strong upon you and in you that you dance, that's dancing by the Spirit. If you laugh, it's laughing by the Spirit, because the Spirit in you is causing that to happen. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And so, our focus is on building the Spirit life you. So that if you want to dance around your house and you want to praise and shout and scream and do that, you do it from the spirit you. Not because you're just having an emotion. And if you remember, I said, repeat after me, the real me is the spirit me. Say it with me again. The real me real me me is the spirit me. And so I've been... I, I, the series that the Lord has given me to minister on is about the real you, the spirit you. If you, if you continue to make choices that satisfies every desire of your body, every desire of your soul, and you and you develop your intellectual capacity to be the thing that runs your life, and you don't feed your spirit, man. There is no question about it that your life cannot be blessed by God. Unless there is someone in your life that is interceding for you, and protecting the curse that can come upon you, protecting that from coming to you. But that can only last so long because an intercessor will then by default create an environment where God must respond to the prayers and the, and the standing in between. God must act on that because of the sacrifice of the in-between person. Which is why judgment will come on the earth and everything that is in the earth because Jesus stood, stands between God and sin. And so, because He is the intercessor between God and man and all of creation, because He is there, eventually God must bring justice. And all who do not accept Jesus must be judged for that. And the time will come where that, the end of all things must come to an end and all creatures and creation will be judged based on what they did with Jesus. Because if you have an intercessor that is standing in the gap for you, The very act of that intercession is a justice before God, brings and demands justice from God to the circumstance or the situation or the person or the people. Glory to God. I thank God that we have an intercessor. His name is Jesus. He sits at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession on our behalf. I thank God that we have a helper with the intercessor. He's the Holy Spirit. Who gives you power to overcome habits. He gives you power to overcome wrong choices you've made in the past. He gives you the power to do things that brings you into a new order of God in your life. That power is available to you right now. Right now. When you walk out of this door, if you just say, I'm making different choices, 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 choices. Every time I choose, I'm going to speak. I make a life choice. I make a God choice. I'm making a choice by the real spirit, me. The spirit that has the power over my choice. Amen. Amen. Previously, I read this to you, and uh, I'm going to be talking about relationships. Some of you might not have heard this because we have quite a lot of new people in the church. But uh, if you have heard it it's always worthwhile being reminded of it. I actually can't teach on relationships and I can't get to the weekend of relationship teaching unless I have this framework. It is what God showed me, it is what I live my life by. I'm going to read to you from Second Peter chapter one verses one to four. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How do you get grace and peace? That's multiplied through the knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord. That's how you get grace and peace. As His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That means we have all things that we need in our life. We have everything we need in our life. By Him. By the knowledge of Him. By the grace and the peace that He gives to us. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So uh, at its very simplest form, if you want to stay away from corruption, you've got to control and dominate lust. And what is lust? Anything that is stimulated by your senses that demands a reaction that you respond to by your senses. So when you take your senses, and you control your senses by the word of God, so that your senses do not tell you what to do, but your spirit man tells your senses what to do, you escape corruption. But if you just live by your senses, then you are submitting to corruption. You are corrupted. Hallelujah. But this same book of Peter talks uh, in, in, in a different place. He talks about that we have an incorruptible seed that is inside of us. It's the word of God. That's incorruptible. Okay. So, if you if you know this by now, I'm going to use this passage of. Peter because every revelation God gives me, every framework that God gives me, it should stand the test of all scripture if it doesn 't stand the test of all scripture, then it 's not a revelation that God gave you, then it might be just my own ideas of thoughts that that might make information or knowledge useful to you, but if God gives me a revelation my, I always test it by the word and if the if it if it 's uh, if you if you read any scripture and it can stand the test of it, then you know God has given it to you. Amen. Amen. So, if I talk about relationships, I have to talk to you about relationships on the on the five steps of relationships that God gave me, which is touch, integration of ways, strategic intentions, divine productivity, and covenant. These these are the steps that God gave me to show me how I need to walk with God and how I can determine my decision-making. It's also something that God showed me, how my marriage with Pastor Sharon works, how my relationships with the body of Christ works. So, if I use Godfrey as an example today, then Godfrey was touched today. Today. He was touched by God. He was touched to come and stand here and pray and dedicate his life to God. He was touched. What has he got to do next? He's got to integrate his ways to the the knowledge of God. After you've integrated ways, you move to the next level of relationship, which is... Strategic intentions. Most Christians don't want to know about integration of ways. They just want to go from touch to strategic intentions and or divine productivity, which is the fourth stage. Or the fourth level. How do I know this? Because what happens is that people go to churches where there's a a prophetic gift operating. And they want to keep going to churches where there's the gift of prophecy or the, or the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating because they want to hear the will of God and they want to hear the strategic intentions of what God has for their lives. But they are not willing to integrate their ways. Hallelujah. And people want the covenant promises of God. They really do. They want the covenant promises of God. But... But they haven't integrated their ways. So they live confused lives because they don't integrate ways with God. I'm going to use this passage of scripture that I've just read to you as a framework. And you can test this with any scripture. You can test this with any scripture. If I say to you, and as the Apostle Peter wrote, and he said, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Isn't that touch? You're touched by grace and peace. You're touched. What about integration of ways? Well, as His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given us the power to integrate ways. His divine power. What about strategic intentions? Well, actually, on reading this scripture and preparing for this Sunday, even though I've used this scripture in previous weeks, I hadn't uh, thought I would be ministering on it this, this early, but life' strategic intentions is life and godliness. Yes. Because if you're living with God's life and godliness, you are living with the strategic intentions of God. Because your godliness and your life of godliness, God will reveal to you what his intentions are. And because you've already integrated your ways, you can live with the strategic intentions of God. So he will show you things that godliness brings because you have integration of ways. He will give you things that life and godliness brings because he can trust you with it. Amen. I mean, this is a very simple thing. If 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 I if I keep giving you a thousand rand a month to save, and in three months' time I ask you how much money have you saved, and you don't haven't saved any, then I can't trust you to save the money. What I have to do is to stop giving you money because I can't trust you because you're spending it on. Your lust, yourself, which means you've not integrated your way, so I can't trust you with a strategic intention. Divine productivity is the exceeding great and precious promises. When you are operating in greater, exceedingly great and precious promises, you are living in divine productivity. That means you have the promise. You receive the promise, you're revealing the promise. And you don't have to do anything to do it, to get it. God is making this power happen for you. It's His promises He gave, and it's His promises that He makes come to pass. And then covenant, which is, according to this scripture, partakers of the divine nature. So we are partakers of the divine nature because of covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you can take this framework and you can apply it to anything. And I have done this. I've applied it to any scriptures and anything that the Holy Spirit is showing you. And you can say, what part am I in here? What scripture is this? Is this touching me? Is this an integration scripture? Is this a divine intention scripture? Uh, I mean, strategic intention scripture? Is this a divine productivity scripture? Is this a covenant scripture? Amen. 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 And if I use this framework in my life, and I have a relationship with Pastor Sharon, then I say, there are moments when I have to touch her. There are moments when we are integrating our ways. And this is a lifelong this is a lifelong thing that you do. And this is why Pastor Sharon and I are pressing for greater, more joy and more of God in our marriage. Because the more we integrate our ways with Him, he, those ways change us. And as you integrate with Him and those ways change you, your partner has to be changing. So I've got to keep dealing with a new person. And she's got to keep dealing with a new person. So if we don't recognize the newness that is happening in the person, then I can't integrate ways with the new person. Because there's some things that I did before that she no longer sees in my life. So I did those things before, now I'm not doing those things before. So what am I doing with what what I've done? Well, I'm doing more of what God is doing. So the way that she saw me behave before, I'm now different, so she's got to integrate with the different me. And me with her. If I can't integrate with God, then I can't integrate with her. It's not possible. You will be self-centered in the way you live in your relationship. Because if you can't integrate with God, everything you do is self-centered. I mean, this is the essence of what Jesus died for, so that we have the power to integrate our ways with Him, and live in His ways, and enjoy His ways. And if I'm not integrating with God, then I can't integrate with Pastor Sharon. Sharon, my wife. There are some times where Sharon is operating in her gifting, and when her gifting is operating, I receive from her gifting, and so I integrate ways from the revelation knowledge that comes from her gifting. So then I don't see her as my wife. I see her as Pastor Sharon and the gift that God has given her. But I can't receive that from her if I don't integrate my ways with God. That's why in any given situation, you can hear the sound. You can hear the sound of someone who's integrated their ways and someone who hasn't. They have a sound. People that that don't integrate their ways, their sound is justification. I'm always right, I'm never wrong. Must be. Must be. You can't be wrong, because if you're wrong in your own eyes, then why keep doing what you're doing? So in your own eyes, you've got to be right all the time. So, a self-centered person has the sound of justification. A self-centered person has the sound of manipulation. A, 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 a person who hasn't integrated their ways has a sound of control has the sound of, it must be my way, or no way. And if they choose to happen to compromise in their way somewhat, it's because it advantages them and benefits them, not because they want to. It's because they're forced to. (laughs) And we haven't even got to the relationship weekend yet. Well, that's because I'm doing the foundation work now, so we, when we get there, we can talk about a lot of other good things. Good. Amen. Right. Yeah. So, touch is to affect emotionally, be relevant to your focus on, and be di- in direct physical contact with or have an effect upon. So, touch. Most of the time, people want to live their lives in the realm of touch because it's all about the senses. And you can, you can touch people with your intellect and arguments. And so you want to live in the realm of touch all the time because it's all relevant to me. It's all real to me. It's the only reason, relevance and reality I know is in the realm of touch. That's juvenile. That's baby stuff. Why? Because a baby... Can't think about even integrating ways. A baby has to be taught through discipline and correction to integrate ways. Daddy said no. Or daddy says yes. And then yes, but only so far. Why? Because they are not capable yet of seeing the consequence. I'll tell you what, the whole world spends their whole life diminishing consequence. So that they can live always for themselves self-centered selves. So the whole world spends their time just diminishing consequence. It's impossible to not have consequence. God said it. Because God said, as long as there's Night and dark, light, night and day, summer and winter, there will be seed time and harvest. And whatever you sow into yourself-centered self, for yourself, by yourself, with yourself, you will read from that. Somewhere along the line, devastation and destruction is going to happen. You may be able to push it back, push it back, push it back, and you say, I'll deal with the consequences. I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll repent later, I'll deal with the consequences. You may not be able to. Because the consequence that comes is so big, it crushes you. Because the devil's got no mercy when it comes to consequence. And that's why the divorce rate in the world, generally speaking, is almost two-thirds of people that are getting married are getting divorced. So people are saying, well, why get married now? And so they don't get married anymore, they just live together. And then the consequence of that is that most of the time they end up splitting at some point in time in their lives, which is another form of divorce. In fact, Australia has a law about that. They say if you've been a partner and you've accumulated assets together as a partner where you're not married, you still have a civil law contract as a partner where your assets that you've accumulated together have to be split. Whether you're married or not, they consider a partner that you live with as a partner for life after a certain period of time. They have institutionalized and legalized non-marriage. Because people that are not prepared to integrate their ways with God, they are self-centered. They only live for themselves. And so if you want meaningful relationships, you have to be in a place where you... You get to a point where you say, What can I do to serve you? What can I do to make your life better? What can I do that can meaningfully make me uncomfortable and make you comfortable? It, listen, I've always said this. Uh, there's a lot of people that want to just give money to the church, but they don't want to be involved in the church because it soothes their conscience. If, and it's the same with Pastor Sharon. I can go and buy her jewelry and I can buy her gifts and I can do her everything and say so I'm meaningfully serving you. No, you're not. It's easy for you to part with money. Give yourself. Give yourself. I'm really preaching good today. Because God says, I'm not looking for people that are... Sacrificing, I'm wanting obedience. In sac- in, he doesn't have pleasure in sacrifice. He has pleasure in obedience. <coughs> so if you're obedient to Him, then your behavior doesn't become a sacrifice. It becomes a joy because you, you touch Him and you want to integrate your ways with His. If I, if I had to ask you right now, if you had a pen and paper, and if I had to ask you to write down just one thing that you could change right now that would show you, that would be meaningfully changed to you, to the people around you, and to God, change one thing to show God that you are prepared to integrate your ways with Him. What would you do? What would you do? Just one thing. If you can think of that one thing, that's the one thing you should be doing. Amen. So integration is uniting. It's combining. It's an occurrence that results in things being united. The act of combining things to form something new. We don't have an old life that we're just modifying to look like Christ. We have a completely new life. And when we integrate our ways with Him, our ways become completely new. They're not modified old ways. This is life-giving relationship stuff. That word integrate comes from the Latin word integratius, And it means I make whole. I begin again. Integrate of ways. I begin again. I make whole my decision making and my lifestyle so that I live in Him. This is a lifelong journey. I know that. But you've got to start somewhere. You have to start with a choice. The greatest joy I have in my life is the fact that I have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. With the Holy Spirit and with my Father God. I mean, that song, I Worship You, I mean, that's just moved me this morning. It really did. It moved me to tears. Not because I was having an emotional response, but my spirit man was rejoicing at the worship. And it flowed into my humanity, and my humanity responded with tears. He is everything in my life. Because He is everything in my life, the next greatest joy that I had was to meet and marry the love of my life, Pastor Sharon, my wife Sharon. I met her, married her, and I live with her with great joy. With great joy do I live with her. How did I get this great joy and this, this great this great and wonderful relationship that I have with her. Because God said to me, I didn't know it then. I didn't have this framework then. I didn't know it then. But God said, give yourself up and love her like Christ loves the church. Give yourself up, John. Give up yourself and love her. And so that was, in her, wor- in her world with me, because I was involved with sport a lot, The thing that was the biggest time consumer outside of work and my relationship with her was sport. I played sport. And so then she said, John, I didn't marry you so I can sit on the sideline and watch you play sport. I married you because I want to be with you. So, she wanted me to quit sport. Well, I mean, she's new in my life. I've been doing sport all my life. This is not fair. You know, I thought if I married her, she would understand. I'm a sportsman. But there was a greater drive and need in her to experience me. So that we could build on our togetherness. Amen. And so, the togetherness that we have is because the Lord said, "You give yourself up for her." So she said, "John, I don't want you to play sport." Well, you knew I was a sportsman when you married me. Yeah, but I, I can't, I can't live with you, with your attention all the time on sport. I want your attention. I want your attention. So uh, I went to the Lord and I said, okay, Lord, what do I do? He said, give it up. So you know the story. I didn't think it was fair. I complained and murmured quite a bit. But then I realized that actually if I wanted what, I, what God wanted for me, I had to give myself up. I had to give it up. So I gave up my sport. So then, of course, I started watching sport on TV. Of course. Of course. And then she said, hey, I didn't ask you to give up, sword so you can now watch it on TV. It's still me, I want eyeball to eyeball. So what do, you, what do you sell the TV? <coughs> and so we did. We sold the TV. Now I've got nothing else to do but eyeball her. And so we lived abel to abel, And so we began to become something that we couldn't have become if that had remained more important to me than integrating my ways with her. Because we integrated ways, God said, I can build many relationships on this relationship. And there are many that can come and nest in this, in this tree where you have built a strong foundation and you have strong branches in your life. And so now I can build and people can come and taste of the fruit of the strong tree and come and rest in it and come and be restored in it and come and be revived in it because it's so strong. It has the authentic life of Christ in the relationship. It's not about me, it's not about her, it's because we both obeyed God. And so when I started loving her like that, what's her response going to be? Because my words were then God's words. Okay, Lord, then I expect and I will wash her with the washing of the word of God and I will present her to myself in glorious splendor. In other words, she's going to be gloriously splendorous to me. And so she is. And she has been for many, 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 many years. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So there's been many people that have come around us and they want what we've got. And they want us to marry them and they want us to bless them and they want us to pray for them so that they can have the kind of intimacy and closeness and just joy that we have in our relationship. And then I say, you can have it if you will integrate your ways with God. It's not about doing what we do. If you integrate your ways with God, then God will show you what you need to do for you. Because you're different people to us. But you can't have the joy of that unless you integrate. Hallelujah. And so productivity is to bring forth or to yield, to cause to happen. It it talks about efficiency of production. Inputs and outputs. Productivity So when you have divine productivity, it means you get a yield that is beyond what the input is. Because it's not a natural input-output scenario, it's a divine input-output. Give me your ways, obey my voice, and I'll show you what I can do with you. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. But you can't get there. You can't get there unless you've integrated your ways. And of course, no relationship can withstand a life without touch. So touch is always going to be there. Touch is always going to be there. But you can't live in touch. You've got to integrate ways because if you integrate ways, touch becomes more meaningful. When you have strategic intentions... You see God at work in each other and you see God doing stuff with each other and again, your touch becomes more meaningful. Your integration of ways becomes stronger. And then when you start to have divine productivity, you celebrate and rejoice with each other at the divine intervention and the divine component of what's happening in your life. Yeah, that's right. And then sometimes God will bring that relationship to a place of covenant where he will ask you to do something in the, in the natural world that he would demand of someone that he himself needs to get done, but he needs someone to do something significant. And so that's what he asked Abraham to do. He asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac because he needed, he needed a pattern that he could bring Jesus into the world and have him die for the world. So he asked Abraham to sacrifice because he was in covenant. Abraham had touched God, integrated his ways with God. God had revealed his strategic intentions to him with Sodom and Gomorrah, and he had interceded for them. So God knew that if I show him my strategic intentions, then I know that he's going to have the right response, which is grace and mercy. And when he showed his strategic intentions to Abraham, then he said, now I'm going to give you divine productivity, and you'll have a child at an age beyond which your natural man can have a child. Divine can happen when you have strategic intentions, integration of weight and touch. God brings divine. That means he brings yield where you naturally cannot bring yield. And then there's a covenant and he says, now I've yielded you this great harvest. I've yielded you this great thing. Give it back to me. Yes, No questions asked. Give it back to me. When Abraham gave it back to him, he said, Now I know that you will not withhold anything from me, and the whole of the earth will be blessed. Everything that I yes. promised you you would have will come to pass. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Do you, are you able to have the Holy Spirit in you without a body? Your body on earth, Holy Spirit inside. No body on earth, no Holy Spirit inside. No body on earth, your spirit goes to be with God's spirit, Holy Spirit remains on earth. You have the Holy Spirit inside you, You have to be in your body. And he says, don't you know that your body is the temple? It's the carrying of the Holy Spirit. Whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What's he saying? He said, God has touched you with his life. Integrate your ways. Remember when you use your body to integrate your ways so the Holy Spirit can dominate through your body. I was uh, reading this passage of Scripture and I felt very strongly that I should read it to you. Um, And and. Uh, when i When I realized what I was going to say about it, uh, the the human side of me did not want to draw attention to this, but the Holy Spirit really uh, impressed upon me that I need to to express it to you in this way, so I want you to understand that i don 't read and say. This passage of Scripture, likely, I say it because I feel strongly that the Holy Spirit is uh, is wanting me to present it to you this way. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. I'm going to read a number of verses of Scripture here. From Miletus, which is a, a place he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come, so he sent a message to the elders of the church in Ephesus to come and meet him in Miletus. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. So he came to Asia, he came to touch them with the gospel. Now he's talking about, you know the manner that I lived among you, which means I've integrated my ways with God and what I revealed to you was the ways of God. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of Jews. how I kept back nothing that was helpful to you, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly, and from house to house, testifying to the Jews, to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God, and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. I felt led to say this, because this is, Uh, something the Lord wanted me to say. And I want to say to you, from the first day that God put me in the ministry, I have come to you. And I have touched you. From the first day. And I can say, you can measure what manner of man I have lived among you. You can measure what manner of man has lived among you. I do not come as a man that is domineering to dominate you or to lead you by force or to lead you by coercion and by some kind of manipulation. I serve the Lord with all humility, understanding that I am human as you are human and that God has called me in a vessel and given me the message to preach. So I have no extra additional gifts that you have other than God that has called me and gifted me to come, and so therefore I come to you with humility. And I have come with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of people in the church. Years ago, for a period of five years, people tried to unseat me from my Position as pastor. Full stop. Anywhere and everywhere. People had lots to say about the way that I was amongst them. They caused divisions, they spoke words, they had things to say. More recently, an, old, an ancient accusation came back to me that I have preferential treatment towards my sons. It's called uh, nepotism. I was accused in 2004 of being having nepotism. In other words, I prefer my sons above other sons in the church. And I can say, with tears and with trials that have been plotted against me, I have stood before you, and you have seen what manner of man I am. You have seen that when my sons have stepped out of line, my natural blood-born sons, they have been disciplined publicly and privately over all the years. If you judge me as a man that is not worthy of that, then you shouldn't be here. But, if you recognize the manner of man that is living among you, like the Apostle Paul, then you need to recognize the message that is coming. How I kept nothing back, nothing that's helpful. Pastor Sharon and I, sometimes we feel like we are too vulnerable to you, but we open up our lives. We don't hold anything back from you. Our lives are open to you for you to see what kind of life we live. We are not hiding anything from you. We are not hiding money issues from you. We are not hiding alcohol issues from you or drug issues from you or any, any other stuff from you. We live accountable and upright before God, before you. If I can't be accountable to God, then I have no business trying to be accountable to you because then I'm just going to manipulate you to get what I want. But I can't manipulate God, I have to obey His word. I've I've said this a long time ago. If a man has a group of people that he's accountable to, and he doesn't really want to be accountable to them, he will manipulate and use his influence to get whatever he wants anyway. If you can't be accountable to God, then you will not be accountable to men. Because how can you be self-centered? And to the measure that I have not yet attained, and I speak like the Apostle Paul, and I'm not comparing myself to the Apostle Paul. Please, believe me, I know that Apostle Paul had revelations and he walked with God in a way that I'm still striving and I'm a long way away from that. But I can say with him, to the measure I have not yet attained, I strive. I press. I'm moving towards the mark of the high calling of God that he has in my life. I do not leave it to chance or to others, I praise. So, I have brought you the message of repentance, both Pastor Sharon and I. Repentance, because without repentance you cannot move on in God. You cannot move on in relationships unless there is Repentance. If Sharon and I have an issue between us, and I'm the cause of the issue, I have to repent to her. Otherwise I can't move past this. Because this will always be my self-centered place I come back to. I have to repent. And repentance means I must change. And when I talk to her, and I tell her I'm repenting, and then I, then I say to her, now if I do this again, Sharon, remind me of this commitment to Repentance. Help me, make sure that I don't do this again. And see now, I go bound in spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. Can you see a man who's integrated his ways with God? Who is already living in the strategic intentions of God because he understands everywhere I go in the cities, people are prophesying and they're saying to me what awaits me. The strategic intentions of God are already made known to me. But with, with me going wherever I must go and wherever I'm going to be bound, God, God's divine productivity is at work in my life. How do I know that? Well, we are yeah, talking about Him. That's how powerful divine productivity is. And so God asked Paul to give his life as a covenant in relationship and he died because of the church. And because he died of, because of the church, we can become the church. And we should live as the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Sharon and I are not We are not uh, um, novices at this pastoring, spiritual leadership. We are not novices at this anymore. There was a time that we were, and while we were in our novice state, people came after me and tried to stop me from becoming this. Having this with Brother Jerry. Having the connections over the years with Brother Copeland, with Brother Jerry, with all the... Wonderful men of God, Richard Roberts, all the, all the wonderful people that, that we are connected to. He wanted to try and cut that off. So I, it is likely that I would have still partnered with them, but he wanted to stop my gift from being influenced with them. And being connected to their gifts so that they, what's in them can flow to you. So the devil made a play for us. And still today the devil tries to make a play for me and my offspring, meaning all of you. Listen, he tried to kill Jesus. He did kill Jesus because he thought he could try and stop the future. But in death, resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you think happened to the people that killed Jesus? Do you remember what they said? They said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children and our children's children. What happened? The blood, the vengeance of God, their own proclamation came upon them, their children, and their children's children. You kill a son of God at your own peril. And so that was a big moment for me in my life because God demanded that I integrate my ways with Him. And He showed me what would happen to those people that came that tried to stop my ministry. And when I saw in the Spirit the impact of the devil's work in their lives, he said to me, John, you have to, the choice is yours because they have offended, they have offended you uh, in the sense that I wasn't offended, but they have brought an offense to me. They judged me. And so whatever you declare to be their future, I give you the right to declare it. But if you, if you shake the dust of your feet off them, this is what's going to happen to them. When I saw it in the spirit, I wept and I wept and I wept before God because I don't want that to happen to anybody. And so then the Lord gave me that great revelation that has saved my life many times. He said, Jesus himself, he was betrayed. He was betrayed by Judas, he was betrayed by Peter, and he was betrayed by his disciples. And he said to me, he said, John, I could do nothing about Judas's betrayal. He said, because the effects of his betrayal drove him to death. He could not live with his betrayal. Peter's betrayal, I had to go and speak to him to bring him back. And I had to say, I had to speak to him three times. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? And Peter understood immediately, what are you trying to say to me? Are you trying to bring back my betrayal of the three times? And he was saying, no, I'm bringing restoration to you for the betrayal of three times. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. Peter, I come to fetch you. The other disciples that betrayed Jesus, God showed me that they were scattered because of the chaos that happened. And he said, they will come back in relationship with me if you will just forgive them. They will eventually come back. And so that's what I did. I went about the whole business of of forgiveness. And I went the whole business of trying to rebuild trust with them. But here's what I'm saying to you. I'm saying to you today, that even in the difficult times with tears and trials it's incumbent on me to integrate my ways with god it's not incumbent on me it's not incumbent on me to bring out any kind of thing about you and if i'm if i'm speaking about things that happened in, in my past and they and they, uh, they bring some kind of harm to you it's not my intention to do that it is a fact what happened to me it is a fact And I understand clearly that it was the devil that was inspiring all of these things to come against me. Which is why I could forgive everyone. I could forgive everyone. You see the power of strategic of, of, of integration of ways allowed me to understand the strategic intentions of God when it comes to people that betray Jesus and the Word of God and the life that they live that He always forgives, and that and no ever, not at any time does He want anybody to suffer under the hardships of what the enemy will bring to their lives, but their choices stand between the heavens and the earth. And he said, I've given every one of them a choose, chance to choose life or death. And so choose life. Every moment, every day, choose life. Choose life. Choose life. And so every city he went to, people were saying, this is going to happen to you, this is happening to happen to you. Pastor Sharon, I know that there are still circumstances that we will face in the future that we will receive trials and tribulations for. Because we make a stand for God. We make a stand with men that are with us that other people bring accusations against. There are many, many people that speak against Kenneth Copeland and against Jerry Savelle and against what they stand for. And because we stand with them, we will first suffer trials and persecutions. We are not... Novices at this, we know that this happens. But it won't stop me from receiving the apostolic gift and the awesome, wonderful gift of faith that Brother Jerry is and Brother Copeland is and all of the legacy of Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagin, all of those people that they have brought to us and into our lives. Authentic Christian living, authentic authority, authentic faith walk not a mere practice of religion that is powerless to save, but an authentic walk with God where you can exercise power and authority and walk with words that bring life and fill your mind with the Word of God and the power of God so that your mind is not capted, captured by the thoughts of men. Hallelujah. If you go against them, you go against me. I stand with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed... Now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. I'm not making this declaration over you today about me. (laughs) Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Because he was part of the persecution of the church. And so he's making a statement, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Not just because he persecuted the church, but, but also because he preached the gospel so that the blood of men who choose otherwise are not to his account. He obeyed God to do what he's supposed to do so that those men who do not choose God, he is innocent of their blood. Because he preached the gospel the way that God told him to. Not regarding himself. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Pastor Sharon and I, we endeavor to, ca- to teach you the whole counsel of God. Not just the, the blessings and abundance and make my soul feel happy and, and make, me, make me feel good that I can overcome. We preach and we endeavor to teach you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. I have news for you. You are the church of God and He has purchased you with His own blood. You are not your own. You need to live for Him. For I know this, that after my departure savage wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up Speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. In other words, twisted things. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you, everyone, night and day with tears. In other words, every time he would preach the gospel of God, it was an anguish to him because he knew his time on earth was limited, yet his revelation was eternal. And he was trying to bring an eternal revelation to a natural people, trusting in the Holy Spirit that His eternal revelation would change natural people and that they would choose life and that they wouldn't choose death. That they would have the knowledge of God that could stand against savage wolves and stand against men that would come into the midst of people and try and deceive them. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up I stand here and I minister to you because I trust that the Word of God is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. If you're sanctified, it means you're integrating ways. Because righteousness you have through blood. Sanctification you have through choice. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Do I stand before you as a man that has coveted your gold? That has coveted your silver? That has coveted your materialism? So therefore I come to try and get something from you? I can say with the Apostle Paul that I did not come to covet what you have. Because my whole life I've learned to live with Little and with much. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities. And for those who were with me, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Praise the Lord. I'm going to finish with this one last verse. And, I read from, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, Galatians 4, verse 6. And because you are really his sons... God has sent the Holy Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave or a bondservant, but a son. And if a son, then it follows that you are an heir by the aid of God through Christ. If you are a son, then behave like one. But at the previous times when you had not come to be acquainted with and understood and understand and know the true God, you Gentiles were in bondage to gods, all kinds of gods, who by their very nature could not be gods at all. Gods that did not really exist. Let me tell you, the lure of money is not a god at all. The lure of a successful career is not a, is not a god at all. But it will give, try and make it the most important thing in your life so that you don't pursue God. And, 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 et cetera, et cetera. You, so they're not God, they do not really exist. Now, however, that you have come to be acquainted with and understand and know the true God, or rather to be understood and known by God, how can you turn back again to weak and beggarly and worthless elementary things of all religions before Christ came, whose slaves you once more want to become? So, I finish there, and I say to you that this is not a moment in our, in our life for us to look backwards and for us to see backwards of all that we were. This is a time for us to look forwards and to embrace sonship so that we can become something much more than we have been before. Amen. And as we have this framework of relationship that we, are, we touch we integrate integrate ways and we understand the strategic intentions of God, that He will make Himself known to us and we will be able to operate in a level that is much higher than we are currently functioning at. And so I'm declaring this to you today because as as I minister this, God is going to restore relationships. But I want to tell you that it's not just going to be I'm going to pray for you, lay hands on you and suddenly everything is restored. This is going to be uh, you may be touched by God with this message, but you have to start with the integration of ways. And so, it is my prayer and my declaration that as I minister the Word of God and as we go into the weekend where we're going to minister on relationships, and Pastor Sharon and I are open, we are an open book about our relationship and about relationships that we have. When I read you the book of Acts today and I shared with you the things about what happened to me, I wanted, the Holy Spirit wanted this to be a foundation because I want you to understand that when I preach about relationships, I've had tears and trials in my own marriage that has brought me to this great place. I've had tears and trials when it comes to people relationships. And I'm delighted to be able to say that there are many people here that are with me now, that are with this church now, because there is a spirit of hope, there is a spirit of joy, there is a spirit of unity that is in this church. And if you will embrace what God is doing through the restoration of relationships over these next few weeks, you will find yourself on a springboard, a diving board, a springboard, that will allow you to take a leaping dive into the future and it will catapult you and make up time that has been lost. I believe this with all my heart that what has taken 10 years will be restored in one. What has taken 20 years will be restored in two. You can't give up on this message and you can't give up on your walk with God because circumstances still look bad. You've got to keep walking with God. You've got to keep having this relationship with Jesus. The relationship with Jesus is the most real thing that you can have because you are a spirit man and your spirit man calls to the deep of the spirit that is Christ. That is God the Father. Spirit to spirit, you have mouth to mouth. Spirit to spirit, you stand face to face. Spirit to spirit, you have the impartation of life. Spirit to spirit, you have power that overcomes the weakness of your humanity. Spirit to spirit, you have what it takes. Switch the TV off, switch the news off, switch the stuff off, and get spirit life into you. Switch your phone off and say, I'm not looking at it for an hour. I don't care who sends me an SMS, who sends me a WhatsApp, who sends me what kind of um, social media I want to be on. Switch it off. Say, now I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to listen to a message. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to take this and sow it as a seed into an integration that I'm not yet able to achieve. Hallelujah. I'm preaching good today? It may be a bit confrontational, but so be it. Hallelujah. And so the manner of man that stands before you, you know, is a manner of man that loves you. That loves you with the love of God that he placed in my heart. And so I can't help but speak truth to you. I cannot stand in in any situation and just paste over stuff. If I really believe this stuff, I'm, re- I'm ready for anything and everything yes. by the power of the Holy Spirit that rests in me. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Won't you stand with me, please? I just want you to know that that camera covers half of my clock, eh? from this angle. I mean it. Now mean it. You must check for next week. It covers half of my clock. It's the camera's fault. Right. That's how justification works. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, justification works that way. It's always somebody else's fault. It's never mind. Never mind. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Won't you put your hand on your heart, please? I'm going to first pray for you with your hand on your heart. And I pray, Father, that as your people have their hands on their hearts, I pray that this message will penetrate those same hearts, will penetrate that spirit man, will penetrate their lives, and that they will pursue a relationship with you that no matter what they've been through up till now, that you will bring them into that place of personal, personal understanding of you. They will live with you and they will live in you. Hallelujah. Now you can pray this with me. I am a son of God. I receive receive the Spirit Spirit of of God as a son of God. I am an adopted son. And I have full status status as Jesus. Jesus. I have personal relationship with God, God, my heavenly Father, Father, because I am a son. son. I receive receive my full inheritance inheritance as a son. son. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Go and get your inheritance. How do I get it? Integrate your ways. Hallelujah. Be blessed going out and blessed coming in. Be blessed in your driving home. Be protected and safe as you go. May His peace and grace and joy be upon you. And no weapon formed against you, your health or your business will prosper in Jesus' name. You are blessed by the words of the Son of God, Jesus Himself, that blesses you with all prosperity. And He says that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And today I have prayed that your soul would prosper by the word of God in Jesus' name. And you all agree with me, don't you? And you say? Thank you for coming.